You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. This is usually supposed to be, Matt, a podcast where we take mostly all listener questions, but uh, in the last... I don't know, 12 to 18 hours, there has been a flurry of NFL activity. We've got franchise tags and then a massive contract to talk about with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. So we will get to some questions at some point in this show, but there is some pressing news that we have to cover first. Those questions coming to our Twitter accounts at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Franchise tags, let's hold up on that. Let's get to some of these questions, and there are some good ones. Some of them pertain to the Dak Prescott news. I think we have to start there with Dak Prescott's new four-year, $160 million contract, $126 million guaranteed, full no-trade clause, which was something that you would expect he would get with a deal like this. Could be up to a six-year deal with a couple of opt-out years or voidable years at the end of the contract. But essentially, he's getting a whole bunch of money for four years, 160, that is um, maybe a sign of some other things to come with franchise tags all being announced recently. Do teams know something, Matt, that we don't? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I thought, too, right off the bat, was, you know, you're going to spend all this money on DAC. You must know that the cap is, or have an idea of what the cap is. And it also lowers their cap for this year, which is newsworthy. But then all this news breaks about who's getting franchised, who isn't, trades of guys that have big contracts. My hunch is owners have a very, very, very good idea about what the cap number is going to be. And as I've been kind of saying all along, I bet it's going to be a little higher than people originally, the doom and gloomers. And I was a doom and gloomer that we originally feared. And I I really hope so, because I think that can have a a real positive ramification for the league. So with prorated signing bonus, plus his base salary with Dak Prescott, what do you think about that contract with what he's going to get? And I've I've seen an average of what, 37, $38 million per year for Dak with all that guaranteed money as well. My take on top quarterbacks are you just have to pay the going rate and that's the going rate. And in a way it's kind of a flawed system in terms of, Kirk Cousins is getting 30, but, you know, somebody's going to give it to him. I think Dak's a much better player than that, but I don't think he's quite at the Mahomes level. I mean, that's for sure, or the Watson level. But I thought he played extremely well this past year, even though they weren't winning games. He was putting up monster numbers with dreadful defensive play. The year before that, I thought they were one of the absolute best offenses in the league. So, I mean, I think he's probably... You know, I mentioned Mahomes is the most valuable asset in the league, and Watson's close behind. Dak's a top 10 asset. You can't let him leave. You can't let him leave. You got to pay him. And the Dallas Cowboys sort of gambled on what the price would be if they would have signed him a couple years ago. I think that would obviously have been the smart move. Now have to really back up the truck for Dak coming off that big injury. So it's not without some risk for the team because it is a ton of money, but it's the going rate. And I agree with you. You got to pay it. And uh, there's been a lot of ink spilled about teams that win Super Bowls while their quarterbacks are under the rookie contracts, but fewer teams win when the quarterback is making up a you know, 14, 15% plus chunk of 
the salary cap and even Tom Brady's teams. He was taking a little bit less at those times and keeping himself under the threshold, which is incidentally the threshold that people use when they're making the argument that if your quarterback's taking up too much of your salary cap space, then those teams aren't winning Super Bowls. But you know what? It's a lot harder than winning a Super Bowl with an expensive quarterback. Winning a Super Bowl with a bad quarterback, right? Right, right, exactly. I mean, I think you could. I think that offense is loaded next year. I mean, the, I think CD Lamb's going to be a star. That that is a Super Bowl caliber offense, and really, they're in a nice position now too. That you know, I'm sure the draft is going to be heavy, heavy on the defense. And the division they're in, I think when you after the second they secured Dak, they're the best team in that division right now, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought they were the best, at least, or the second best last year. And, yeah. you know, without Dak, obviously they underperformed quite a bit. They've got to figure some things out on the defensive side of the ball and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit on the offensive line as well. But their position players and their quarterback is obviously set and they've got some weapons out there. So they should be able to score points if they can stop some teams. That that Zeke contract is is something that I think they're going to have to figure out at some point. And they're just barely starting to pay him on that deal. So we'll see how they're that goes. But that one. Yeah, they yeah, just don't do it. Don't give that huge. Don't first of all, don't draft a running back number four overall because you got to pay him what the going rate is on a second contract on top of it. So just don't do all of those things that the Cowboys did there because it's unnecessary but pay your quarterback because you have to and that's the going rate uh, weapons on offense figure out defense and on paper the Cowboys should be good and should be in it and should probably be the favorite going into the year in the, in the east right I mean not that that guarantees you a playoff spot but if you're the top dog in your division and you know you have some draft equity to dig into that defense and you know hopefully they get a little better schematically too and the coaching side of it wasn't super impressive but I think the Cowboys could be a contender and uh, quarterbacks want absolutely one of the strengths of the team. A couple of trades and some franchise tags going down for offensive tackles. So teams really trying to solidify the edges of their offensive line. Let's get into the trades and then we'll talk franchise tags next. This was uh, a little bit of a surprising one when I first saw it with Isaiah Wilson and we talked about, you know, the trials and tribulations going on with his rookie season going into his second year, already on his second team now. The Titans have traded Isaiah Wilson, a first-rounder last year, to the Miami Dolphins, and the two teams are swapping seventh-round picks. So this was essentially, look, we're going to cut him. Uh, we found a team to take him and move up a couple spots in the seventh round, which is essentially nothing. But for Wilson, he gets to keep that first-round rookie contract number, and if it pays off, that could make him a lot more money in the future rather than coming off the street. And I guess for the Dolphins, they just didn't want to have to you know, bid with other teams and, and, and mm -hmm. potentially not get him. I'm sure this means they really liked him in the draft. So Isaiah Wilson, now a Miami Dolphin, uh, obviously they didn't have to spend a lot of resources on this, and it's essentially free for a first-round talent. And so they uh, they they give they swap seventh rounders and Isaiah Wilson now a Miami Dolphin, right? I mean, uh, the fall from grace in Tennessee is complete here. I mean, just a total whiff of a draft pick. The rookie year couldn't have gone any worse. We talked about that a week or two ago. You know how unbelievable it, it crashed and burned so fast there. Um, but they were going to cut him, and at least they got something, barely anything for him. They really didn't. Um, but this doesn't this doesn't affect anything with. The Dolphins' plans, right? Because they did draft a, an, an offensive tackle uh, themselves last year, and they have the number three pick. Could be Panay Sewell. Do you think this changes anything with their plans? No, I just think they probably had a top fifty type grade on the on the guy. 
probably have some inside sources and, you know, with the agent or the college coaching staff or whatever that could vouch for him to some degree and nothing invested. They have a ton of cap space. They were going to reinforce that offensive line anyway. And I do think the, the profile of their offensive linemen, they want size, they want physicality, they want maulers and he fits that mold. And another offensive tackle on the move is Trent Brown going back to the Speaking New of another big Patriots. guy. They're the biggest two dudes in the league. Yeah, they are. They are, actually they might be if you if you put every off every player in the NFL in the scales. There're probably some nose tackles out there that aren't as big as they used to be. Uh, there's a lot of yeah. big tackles, but Trent Brown and Isaiah Wilson might be the two heaviest in the league. Trent Brown goes about 68350. Uh and <laughs> the Patriots have now traded for him for the second time. The New England Patriots have acquired right tackle Trent Brown from the Las Vegas Raiders. And they are swapping is another cheap one. So essentially, the Patriots take on his contract. They give up a 2022 fifth rounder, getting back a 2022 seventh rounder. So uh, they, they drop from the fifth round to the seventh round next year, not even in this draft, to acquire Trent Brown. By the way, they already collected, what, a third round comp pick for Brown. This is the most Patriots move I can think <laughs> yeah, of. You let awesome, him go yeah. for one year, get a third rounder back if you want to consider that part of the trade. And then you just get to... Uh, pay Trent Brown what he made on the on the free agent market going into his second year of that new contract. Yeah, and that is a very Patriot move. You just keep making money off the top at the, each move. I think he's still a high-quality player. Obviously, he's massive. This coaching staff's very familiar with him, of course. Um, they're another team like Miami that has a ton of cap space, so grab a, a lineman that's probably a starter for you. And you can move some of those guys around. Marcus Cannon coming back. Um, this leads us to the franchise tag conversation, too, because Joe Tooney was not tendered the franchise tag, even though he was last year. So I would imagine he'll probably test the market and they can move some people around. And really, that's one of the building blocks of this team. Like, I've kind of made fun of the Patriots roster. Their line's pretty darn good. And this makes it even better. Yeah, speaking of those tackles that will not be on the move now that have been franchise tagged or most likely not <laughs> on the move after being tagged by their teams. We'll get to those tags next, some wide receivers and some offensive linemen. Then get to your questions here on Peacock and Williamson. I guess they can take down the Dak Prescott props where he will end up. If not, the Dallas Cowboys, well, he is now a Cowboy long term, but you can still find odds for where Deshaun Watson will end up. Even Russell Wilson at betonline.ag. Draft props, which are super fun. And, of course, March Madness. And aside from the Super Bowl, maybe nothing more fun to bet on than college basketball and March Madness. Even if you know zero about any of the teams involved, like myself, it's still fun to jump in and fill out that bracket and do your thing and bet on some of these games. Super fun. BetOnline also has reality TV. Just about any event that exists, you can find odds on and bet on in some form or fashion at betonline.ag. Table games, if you're a poker player, get in on the action using promo code LOCKEDON. Go to betonline.ag right now. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I was actually somewhat surprised by some of the offensive tackle franchise tags we've seen here. Taylor Moten, offensive tackle for the Carolina Panthers, is expected to get the tag. 
And now Cam Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars, another surprise candidate to be franchise tagged in Jacksonville there. And a lot of money for the Jaguars, so I don't think that's even that much of a consideration, but I thought they might try to even upgrade there and and go big on the tackle market, but I guess fewer and fewer tackles are going to actually hit the market. It might be Trent Williams and nobody else there that actually hits the market with these trades and these franchise tags at offensive tackle. Yeah, I think that was the logic behind it is, Obviously, they're going to use their first-round pick on Lawrence. We want him to be very secure, and if we're overspending for a, still a young tackle, but somebody that has been a, a, a good player, probably isn't worth the the franchise tag in a nutshell. But you know that that second first-round pick this would probably be a, a spot they could go tackle. But I think they'd much rather go defense over there or whatever. Um, do you want a rookie left tackle protecting your prize gem rookie? You know, quarterback. Maybe not. You know, I think you just want to keep that continuity with the line, and it's not a bad line. It's okay. Um, again, it, they have the luxury of just having an awful lot of money. And again, it feels like owners and, and teams know what the cap number is going to be, right? Because they didn't change they the deadline. The deadline is still today, a couple hours after we're done recording here, so we might have more news that we don't get to cover about which players will be tagged and which players will not be tagged. We are starting to see some reports of who won't be tagged, but um, another offensive lineman, Brandon Sheriff in Washington will be tagged. Uh, just tell me if any of these stand out to you. A couple of wide receivers, Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin, not huge surprises there in Tampa no. and Chicago, those wide receivers. Then uh, Marcus May, safety for the New York Jets is, is a little bit of a surprising one for me. This reported by Ian Rappaport that the Jets will place the franchise tag on him. And then another safety, Justin Simmons in Denver getting the tag and defensive lineman Leonard Williams with the New York Giants will get the franchise tag. And as of now, those are the confirmed franchise tag ease in the NFL. Yeah, uh, not a lot of surprises there. There usually isn't. Um, Leonard Williams gets it a second year in a row. And I'll, I'll say I was one of the people that kind of made fun of Gettleman. Boy, you traded for Leonard Williams. Remember, I mean, the Jets and the Giants are both terrible. He didn't even have to move his house, and they traded a pretty decent pick for Leonard Williams. I'm like, what are you doing? But he was really, really good last year, and I liked him a lot coming out of USC. So he's really started to hit his stride. He's going to be a foundational giant, and we talked about how they don't use first-round pick on linebackers. Well, they like big people there, and that's gone on. That's been a history of that team. Um, who is the other one? Oh, May. Speaking of staying in New York, is he one of the best safeties in the league? No, but he's coming into his prime. They, too, have a ton of money. They want to get involved and get a safety that they don't know as well as they switch to this Robert Sala defense. I assume he'll be the, the single high safety, a high percentage of the time, but he can also walk down in the box. Good young player. I mean, he's not a top five safety, but I don't have a big problem with it. I'm, I'm sure some of these teams that just have so much to spend are going to take a couple birds in the, you know, hand, birds in the hand right now. Give me Cam Robinson. Give me Marcus May as opposed to fighting teams and maybe they're most, not the most desirable uh, destinations for some free agents either. Yeah, with Leonard Williams, he, he's always been pretty good and disruptive yeah. and more of an interior guy, a little bit of a you know a hybrid player there, but not a big sack collector. And then last year broke out with a 11 and a half sacks, so he actually was able to add those numbers on top. So it kind of makes that deal start to look a lot better, and they've gone year to year with those franchise tags now. And at this point, one year, of a franchise tag it was last year was 16 million. Now it's 19 million 
for a, an, uh, a defensive lineman with the rate that they're going, you don't have to lock yourself in long-term. I actually like that deal a lot for New York, and that trade starts to look a lot better. Second year for Justin Simmons, who's going to make $13.7 million, which is a lot for his safety. They must have not had a, a good feeling about him wanting to stay and do a deal there, or maybe they just wanted more time to do a deal once they figure out what the salary cap looks like. And then with Marcus May, it's his first tag, so a little bit less than Simmons. He'll make about $10.5 million on on one-year deal, which is a lot for a safety because I would have thought he could do a three- or four-year deal at around 8 or $9 million. So they're paying him a lot more for one year. And he's a good player, but you know his his teammate was better than they lost. Maybe it's just the Jets not wanting to lose their their star safety tandem they had with Jamal Adams and Marcus May from not that long ago. And tagging a safety isn't you know a, a huge huge number, so it, it's feasible. You just don't want to keep, lose your guy, and you got a lot to spend. So the more I think that one through, I think that makes sense. A couple of players that are looking like they won't be tagged is Shaquille Griffin cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks and Kenny Dolliday is an interesting one and uh, apparently the Miami Dolphins are going to show some interest there and just going to let Galladay walk that's surprising because I would have thought at least and I think new GM there in Detroit said that he's not worried about the wide receiver position which I'm not surprised about I don't think that's going to be the the philosophy there to spend big on wide receivers but I would have thought if they didn't want him they could at least tag and trade Kenny Galladay yeah, that one still does shock me. I mean, they don't have as much money to play with as some of these other teams we've mentioned, but they just have nothing at the position. I mean, Marvin Jones is going to go. I guess they did sign Tyrell Williams. We didn't mention that one when it happened because it's not massive news, but he's been in the league and he's an outside guy and he's somewhat in that mold. Um, I think their first round pick will be probably one of the Alabama receivers, which, or who knows? I mean, they might take an ankle biting guard. I mean, I, I don't know how they're <laughs> how, how they judge things in that 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 team right now with the the new regime. But Galladay's one I think I would have tagged and at least entertain trades or play with them for the year. They're gonna be really bad this year. I mean really bad. I actually think they won't draft a wide receiver there at seven because I really? uh, just philosophy wise, organizationally, I think Brad Holmes saw what they did in um in LA with a lot of those second round type day two receivers. I think that's the way they're going to try to build things with the lions. And, and it makes sense because we talked about it round two, round three, that might be the place to be drafting wide receivers. Yeah. And actually the more I think about it, I mean, they're big burly Campbell and Spielman and the people running that organization. Are they going to draft yeah. a 170 pound wide receiver out of Bama? Maybe not. I expect some beef in Detroit. Yeah. Right. A beefy draft. That's my guess. Uh, anyway, okay, let's let's get to some of these. I thought Hunter Henry's the other, only other one I wanted to mention real quick. I oh, just yeah. thought he had a chance to get franchised. I think he's going to get paid very well. Yeah, it's tough with his injuries. Yes, but but I'd rather have him than Austin Hooper, who was the big tag item last year. Yeah, absolutely. I would, the the Austin Hooper thing never made a lot of sense because I didn't think no. he was in the echelon of players to get paid the way he did and I also didn't think he was necessary in Cleveland with the with the tight ends they already had yeah, right. so and then they drafted one too so maybe that's going to be a bigger part of the offense at some point who knows but um yeah and there's still some time here so we'll see if in the next couple of hours and, and we'll get to those tomorrow once we really finally see who is actually tagged and maybe we're on the cusp of finding out what this salary cap is going to look like Albert Breer had his Monday morning quarterback article and he listed out what one 
team's cap numbers looked like and that team, you know, keeping track of every team in the league's cap, he had the cap estimated 183 million. And I know you for sure. And I I'm with you that I would have taken the over on $183 million as the cap this year. So maybe that's just a conservative number that they think it'll definitely be at least that, or maybe more, but doesn't it feel like it's going to be higher than $183 million when this cap is actually released? I absolutely think so. I mean, again, I, I have no inside information. I'm not an economist. I don't know how they come up with these numbers. I think it's going to be 190-ish. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And they should be able to borrow from future years mm-hmm. with those TV deals as well that will that will be coming. And they look to be massive, absolutely massive, which the, massive. the league yes. always counts on. And that's the get well. The 2022-2023 TV deals, that is the get well time financially for the league. And they should absolutely be able to buy into it. And nobody wants to see teams, owners... The Players Association, nobody wants to see during the next week, you know, a thousand veteran players hit the free agent market all of a sudden. Like, that's not good for anybody, no. right? No, you're 100% right. Um, I do think in the end, it will absolutely be a buyer's market in free agency. And you'll see, and you mentioned this, I think, even yesterday, a lot of one year deals, a lot of prove it deals, things like that. Maybe teams resigning, you know, players resigning with their own team because everybody knows each other and run it back. And, um, not a lot of blockbuster stuff for the non-tier one free agents. But all in all, I mean, the, the last thing everybody wants is to have people, you know, going, uh, you know, getting you know, star players that have no business getting cut, getting cut just because of the, the situation we're in. Actually, and that's a good segue to one of our listener questions here. So let's get into that two-minute drill and finish up right. with listener questions on this Tuesday edition of Peacock and Williamson. Do you want to keep your vehicle running smooth? Do you want to keep your family safe in that vehicle? Do you want to save some money? Then you got to go to rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Rockauto.com. You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The website is no nonsense. I love it. Super easy to find exactly what you need for exactly your vehicle. And yes, your vehicle is covered. Unbelievable amount of vehicles from every make and model dating back to since before anybody who was listening to this podcast was born. It's pretty amazing. The selection that rockauto.com has everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, small, big parts, whatever it is you need. You need a new tailgate. You need wiper blades. You can find it at rockauto.com. It's a unique and remarkably easy to navigate website. Their catalog is huge. Quickly find all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. And those prices, by the way, always reliably low. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection at reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Let's go to Jeff on the subject that we were just talking about. He says, does the NFLPA, and that's the big one, the Players Association should be fighting. And maybe that's what is going on behind the scenes is fighting for every nickel that they could borrow from future years to make this cap arc a little flatter. And nobody wants, the fans don't want it, and the Players Association definitely don't want a bunch of free agents hitting the street that have fine deals because and the teams obviously don't want to be cutting players that they didn't want to cut and they had these plans 
of what they wanted to do with their roster, you know, two, three year plans get completely upended by this salary cap, which is why I agree with you. I think it's going to be closer to the 190 million area than the 183 that Albert Breer had in his article as the projected salary cap for 2021. And Jeff says, does the NFLPA have any pull in terms of trying to stop teams from jettisoning older players? I just think it could be a bad look for the league if all this experienced talent is let go for just one year of salary cap fears could make a far worse product and hurt teams and the league long-term. I don't think there's anything in play, but I wonder if that would be maybe a stipulation to the cap is like, you can't, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're going to handcuff teams with what they can and can't do. So it's just, you have to put a cap number that makes sense for teams not to have to do that. Right. Yeah. Again, I don't know the details of that either. It's a good question. I mean, you would think that this is an equal partnership between owners and the players association and Hey, you can't be dropping the cap without our permission type of situation. I just don't think it is. <laughs> I just think in the, in the long run, the owners own and the players are employees and that's yeah. how it goes. And yeah, they have this collective bargaining agreement, but I'm sure in there somewhere it, it basically says you have no veto power or no push, you know? Right. And what's difficult about this and it's frustrating sometimes is the league and the players association see everything as a bargaining chip. So even if it's mutually beneficial, nobody wants to cave because they want to pretend that they gave up something. Right. And right. So, good and, point. But I mean, that's why we see in the NBA and major league baseball, their contracts are guaranteed because <laughs> that makes it a lot easier. You know, if you're signing somebody, you're locked into that contract and it's not the way it is in the NFL. So, you know, more probably see more and more, no trade clauses, and, and pretty much when you're looking at an NFL contract, look for the guaranteed money. And that's why so much of Dak's, pre, Dak's uh, deal is guaranteed, which actually leads me to the next question here from Steve. He said, the first year payout is $75 million for Dak Prescott, but a first year cap hit of only $22 million. Does the cap even exist? <laughs> it it kind of doesn't. You know, like this year more than ever, I've been more and more concerned about the cap because it's low and I keep harping on how, how afraid that's made me but has it really hindered many teams from making deals they want to make? You know, I mean, I, I just more and more, the the more I study this and more you watch the league, it just feels like teams can sign who they want and they can they let people go that they want. I mean, no matter what the cap tells you in the end. I think the big, well, first of all, the, the signing bonus is prorated. So if it's whatever, a $50 million signing bonus and it's prorated over five years, and I think, or actually, it's yeah, I think you can only maximum prorate five years which is why there's the extra years on this contract even though it's actually a four-year deal with the two extra years so they can prorate that bonus over one extra year that's the way i understand dax contract so signing bonus you give a lot of you give a player that signing bonus up front right and then you keep the base salary lower so that way it all starts to even out and you know a lot of these new deals they're much cheaper for the team's cap in year one even though most of the money comes in year one because there's a signing bonus there and then things level out in the later years as far as payouts go. And it, it gets very expensive for the Cowboys after this. But I think the teams to look out for, the Eagles and especially the New Orleans Saints, that's how yes. we'll know if the salary, because those teams, even with the, the cap mechanics and, you know, the, the I mean, all of the, the different things that they had to do to fake their way through and funny money and, and get under the cap and do all the things they've wanted to do, especially the saints. Now, not only does the cap not go up as they expected, it goes down from where they thought 
That's the team to watch, the New Orleans Saints. What they're able to do, if they're able to come through this clean, then you will know, yep, the salary cap is, in fact, fake. It's funny. I was about to say the same thing. Like, yeah, Dallas is a decent example, but New Orleans is a much better example because they're in it to win it every year. They're not going to blow this thing up, even if Drew Brees doesn't return, which I don't think he will. Like, I don't think we're going to be seeing them trading Kamara and Ramcheck and Lattimore and all these guys just so they can get under the cap for peanut, you know, for you know, pennies on the dollar. Uh, Philly already moved Wentz, but you really think that Fletcher Cox is going to get cut or, you know, guys like that? I absolutely don't think so. And they weren't nearly in the same boat, but the Steelers were basically third worst. And now they're 12th, 12th worst, you know, just after the Ben deal. I mean, so you can move money around and trust me, nobody wants to hear the boredom of the Steelers cap situation, but I've spent many hours on other shows talking about it. They can make another 10 million in cap space too, without cutting big name people, you know, extend Stefan to it. And every team has those type of things where pick up a million here, 2 million there for this year's cap and, you know, you're fine. So in a way, it is kind of a myth. There was a really good question here about the Steelers and all the cap space they actually have lined up for 2022. And if Dak was going to be franchised, if we could see the Steelers go in on Dak next offseason, that obviously, uh, that question did not last long with this, but that was going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm disappointed I didn't get to, to ask you about that one. Matt. So I'll go to Joshua's other question here, who says, outside of quarterback, what is the hardest position to evaluate for prospects? Hmm. I've got an idea for a couple. Well, one that was always frustrating for me personally, because, you know, I was amateur scouting and armchair scouting, and I'm using a lot of broadcast film. It's just really hard to watch safeties because you they're not on the screen half the time. So if you don't have like actual yeah. film in the all 22, safeties are very difficult to evaluate. And they're, I think they're extra difficult to evaluate because height, weight, speed isn't the number one factor with the safety. It's what's going on from the neck up and instincts. And that's similar to why quarterbacks are so difficult to evaluate because there's so much beyond arm strength and athleticism that goes into what makes a quarterback great in the end. So safety is somewhat, but I would say second to quarterbacks for me is probably wide receivers because I think people underrate how important things like toughness are for a wide receiver at the next level. I think there's a lot of mistakes just by he's big and he's fast. He's a good receiver. Um, the two that I were going I was about to say were safeties for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned and centers for a lot of the reasons that are the same is mm. the, a lot of what they do is from the neck up, you know, the line calls, the communication, passing off stunts, you know, I mean, and in today's NFL centers deal with a wide variety of people lined up over them. You know, some of those guys are 260 pounds that are edge rushers that they bump inside. Um, to Darius Smith. Some of them are nose tackle types and everybody in between. Some of them look like DeForest Buckner. You know, I mean, they, they, they used to just kind of mm -hmm. deal with squatty defensive tackles like themselves back in the day, and they don't do that anymore. Um, you're right. I mean, a lot of it with safeties is even with the all 22, there's a lot of times they're not involved with the play. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they do their job. They drop into their two deep zone or whatever. Or there's a run play and they come up and inspect the pile afterwards, you know, that they're not really making plays on the ball and taking angles and all those things. So centers and safeties were the two I was going to mention. A lot of instincts in the middle of the football field. And so those things are always going to be difficult. We've seen a lot of mistakes 
made at linebacker. They're not drafted as high as they used to be, but you would see guys that were just height, weight, speed, freaks, but they weren't great middle linebackers because they didn't have that instinct. And if it doesn't matter yeah. if you're fast, if you're a step slow processing, you're going to be late to the ball anyway. I don't know that you and I've had this conversation and I, and I got to call you to task here a little bit. Do you know my instinct pet peeve? conversation i don't think we've had this conversation uh, i don't believe we have had this conversation you probably have never heard me use the word instincts for a football player because to me great white sharks instinctually height height you know hunt seals you know ray lewis did doesn't instinctually find running backs and like instincts to me is a word in the scouting circle that makes me crazy because i think they're learned Ability. I mean, that's that's film study. That nobody came out of the womb hunting quarterbacks or running backs. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, do that. I think sometimes it feels that way with some players right, that are just right. born to play a position. But yeah, you're right. Instincts might be the wrong word. Uh ability to ability to process like, and learn and yeah. You know, those are learned things, though. Nobody comes out of the womb do you know under keying blocks correctly and not fighting on play action. I think, you know, something like mathematicians or playing chess or something like that, you still have to learn the basics of what it is. You didn't invent it, right? You don't mm -hmm. invent chess. You still learn how to play, and it turns out you're really great at it. So uh, just the ability. Some learn quicker than others, there's yes, no doubt. absolutely. But, you know, sharks hunt instinctually. You know, Ray Lewis doesn't. I go snack instinctually. I wasn't taught to do that, right? But I wander into the kitchen for no reason and open up the refrigerator and then I snap out of it. I'm like, what am I doing? My instincts brought me there. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, I, I, that word gets thrown around all the time. Like people just come out, oh, he instinct, Luke Keekley so instinctually. Well, it's because he studies tape all day long. Yeah, yeah. And you, it looks like instincts because you work so hard at it behind the scenes that you... It, it's just second nature to you. Second nature, point. right. Right. Absolutely. But it's a learned trait. Great point. Yeah. Last one really it. quick here. Do you think the Raiders regret picking Henry Ruggs over Lamb and Jefferson despite the difference in skill sets? I will say yes. In the end, they will. Yes. I, they probably still like Henry Ruggs, and I get why you like Henry Ruggs, and I, that's, I, I liked Henry Ruggs a lot. I thought he was a first-round guy. But I also think it's a poor fit scheme-wise and for Derek Carr because Derek Carr, that's not his game is throwing this big rainbow deep ball and utilizing that speed I think someone like Lamb would have been a perfect compliment to Derek Carr similar to how he had Devontae Adams at Fresno State yeah and that's a great point I mean I think the proper question though I don't think you can include Jefferson because really it was Judy Lamb and Ruggs yes. I know Jefferson had the best you know rookie year of those groups and I bet the Eagles regret passing on rugs for Rager or for Jefferson for Rager, but really the conversation was between those top three. And I thought rugs was clearly third of those three then. Yep, and I absolutely do now. Like I'm, I would rather Judy still. Oh, Judy, by the way, is going to break out next. Oh, year. he's going to be on my fantasy team. This oh, year, absolutely. He's going to yeah. be the biggest steal in fantasy league this year because I'm yep. all about him. I had him one a to, to lambs one B just because I thought he had a little bit more top end speed and yeah uh but i really like both players they were essentially tied for me and uh they were they were both clearly ahead of henry ruggs and jefferson i think it was fourth or fifth after ruggs in that next group of of players but you're exactly right i think it was probably the raiders on the clock were were not thinking jefferson there they're probably thinking is it lamb or is it judy or is it ruggs and they went with 
Henry Ruggs. I made the wrong choice. Not that, not that Ruggs <laughs> is, is going to be a bad player. I think oh, he's no. going to be very useful. But uh, he would have been my clear third of those three last year. Judy was my one, actually. In fact, now that I think about it, we talked about what the package would be to get Russell Wilson if the Raiders traded for him. They should definitely keep Ruggs if that's the case. Because yeah, R- Ruggs is the well. one guy you want to have there with Russell Wilson. Then we might not have this same take about them regretting that after all. Yeah, they would get along well. And I understand the value of rugs too. I mean, if you're going to be a heavy run team, it makes it harder to dedicate people to the box. And he's not a bad player. I just think those other two are a tier above him as prospects. And obviously their their plan, which I actually, I kind of like because I liked Brian Edwards a lot, who they ended up taking in the third round. That was their chain mover. So it was like, look, we can't find 4-2 later in this draft, but we can find someone that can get open and catch the ball on third down and be a chain mover and a number two type of receiver to complement that speed. So that's the route they went. And I don't necessarily kill them for that either because Ruggs was a first round guy. Oh, he was. Uh, I'm not so sure that Edwards won't have more career catches than Ruggs. Edwards didn't do a lot in his rookie year, maybe because he was coming off injury, but I do expect he might be another guy that's on my fantasy teams, especially those mm-hmm. keeper long-term teams and steal him very late. Yeah, I, I like him quite a bit for Dynasty. I've brought him up a few times. And Lamb's also going to be on my fantasy team, by the way. Him and Dak were great together. Real quick, one-word answer. Who says no? This is from Steven on Twitter. Chase Claypool for Jordan Love. I saw that. That's not a one-word answer, and that's been rattling around in my mind. Okay, so that's not a bad, not a bad offer. You'd have to think about that hard. I think the Packers do it. I would do it if I'm the Packers. Absolutely. Yeah. And it it totally makes sense for the Steelers, too. I know. Except they're losing Juju as well. But quarterbacks trump all. I just don't love Jordan Love. And boy, I'd have a tough time if if he had to be my quarterback for the next eight years and I got to do a Steelers show five days a week because I don't trust him. But it's probably a good deal for both. Could you find money? That earlier question I mentioned talking about the 2022 cap, could you backload a contract and keep Juju and make a move like that? I don't think they want to. I, I think he's a primed to get overpaid in, in free agency, to be honest with you. He's basically just a slot, struggles to get off the line of scrimmage a little bit in first press. A good player, not a great player. He's the type of guy they usually let go. If they were to spend money or to do something like that, it would be for Bud Dupree. I mean, Bud Dupree is the one that I think it's hurting them that they would have loved to kept. Or how about this? If you're the Steelers, you're so darn good at drafting wide receivers on day two. Just draft receivers for other teams in the league and keep doing it. So make this yeah, deal. Yeah, Let right. Juju walk. That's what I was that thinking. Is, well, the wide receiver just becomes a need and you draft one in the first or second round yeah. or third round or whatever. And exactly. Just replenish the stock. Uh, both teams might do it. I like that. I like that a lot, Steven. I think you're on to something. Okay, we'll see if that yeah. happens. I'll give you full credit. I've got that one bookmarked. All right, great stuff. We're out of time here. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. We'll see if we have some time later in the week, maybe Friday, to hit some overflow questions since we we're only able to do one segment worth here. Tomorrow, we've got Cody Rourke, host of Locked on Broncos. Find out what's going on in Denver this offseason. And Thursday, Lauren Cox, the host of Locked on Bears. Come on back right here, Peacock and Williamson.